Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Fit together better than I expected. And so we're busy with the reality of Christianity from the book of Ephesians. And it's not just limited to Ephesians. Okay? And the reason I say that is because um, we're also, as you know, going all over the place to kind of see what does God intend with Christianity. And in Ephesians chapter 5, which is where we are, it gets a, a, a bit more challenging, I would say. Okay? In that it starts to speak, Paul starts to address specific things which makes some people uncomfortable. And in grace circles especially, a lot of people explain it away um, or just ignore it. And um, I think it's important to address them because they're important issues. And uh, the first half of Ephesians uh, uh, is talking about our identity in Christ, talking about who we are in Christ, the fact that we're saints, holy ones. The second half is really talking about how saints live. Okay, and um, and so whenever we're we're looking at these issues, we've got to keep in mind that the reason we live like this is because this is who we are. Okay, I love the 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 the, the picture that Michael was painting with that word that came forward, that word of encouragement, of um, how uh, um, uh, you know the pigs, the, the 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 prodigal son living with the pigs and all of that. He wasn't a pig. <laughs> Even though he was sleeping in the pigsty, feeding with the, he longed to eat what the pigs were eating, but it didn't make him a pig. Okay, uh, 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 um, you know, in our circles we'll say um, uh, sleeping in a garage doesn't make you a car. You know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. I was in Zambia ministering in rural Zambia to about 150 pastors uh, a couple of years back. Uh, over one Easter weekend, and I realized sleeping in a garage doesn't make you a car, doesn't apply. So I had to figure out something else, and it was sleeping in a chicken coop, doesn't make you a chicken. <laughs> as much as going to church doesn't make you a Christian. So we know that what we do doesn't determine who we are, but who we are does and should determine what we do, how we live. When it doesn't, it doesn't mean your identity is broken. It just means that you are not focusing on who you really are, and as a result, you're living in an identity crisis. One of the biggest problems, I think, in our, it's probably been forever, but in, I, I see it in, in our time, is that most people live by their feelings, not by truth. Okay? So why do, do some people uh, uh, wake up early in the morning? When, when, if you're planning to wake up early, why do you sometimes not wake up early in the morning? That's a better question. Because you don't feel like it. Okay? And it's not a sin necessarily. <laughs> but you know, sometimes it's a case of, uh, why did you not eat healthy today? Because you didn't feel like it. You know, why did you just uh, 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 um, kind of like talk bad to somebody or explode? Because it was an emotional thing. It was feelings-based. You know, why did you um, uh, 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 not go to church tonight? Obviously, I'm not speaking to anybody here. Because I didn't feel like it. I felt like walking on the promenade, rather. It was a nice, beautiful, sunshiny day. You know, why did I not read my Bible today or not pray? Because I didn't feel like it. And so we live in a very touchy-feely kind of day and age where people follow their feelings and they don't follow truth. And I mean, you can apply that to a lot of things. I don't want to get onto those topics. But, but the, po the point of the matter is, is we're, we're supposed to live by truth. Absolute truth, not by feelings. Feelings don't govern us, the Word of God does. And our uh, uh, um, feelings are need to be subject to the Word, to truth. Okay, so, my favorite example... I felt like hanging myself once or killing myself once and I didn't because I knew it was wrong. I had a feeling that was contrary to the word and I chose to go with the word rather than with what I felt. You know, sometimes I feel like slapping someone up the wrong way. And why don't I do it? Because I know it's wrong. 
<laughs> you know, even if they're very wrong, and even if they've pushed all the wrong buttons, I don't do it. Okay? I, I, I just have this sense in my heart by the Spirit that someone doesn't believe I would do that. <laughs> so I was in clicks once. <laughs> just uh, so that you can see I'm human uh, 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 sometimes. But I was in clicks once, and it was quite an amazing experience. Um, outside was waiting for me our pastors from Zimbabwe, Pastor Isaac and his wife. And, and I was coming in to get something quickly for them. And, and so then I got what I needed. And I went to the, the line to, to go and pay. And as I got to the line, an employee of Clicks jumped in front of me. And then looked at me like all like, like as if I got there first, like just, just got in front of you. And I was like, I'm not impressed. Like, but okay, I'll, I'll deal with it. And then, um, you know, those, we didn't wear masks back then. <laughs> so you can see facial expressions. And so then he goes to the one teller. And this one teller doesn't want to serve him. Okay, like, like they is irritated with him, but he's like, you know, serve me. And, and then he wants the chocolate, the chocolate doesn't, the chocolate doesn't ring up for the price that it's advertised because it's on sale. And he wants it, so then the manager has to come. And this is taking time. And now there's a line behind me, a queue behind me. And I'm just like, like looking at the line. I'm like, okay, you know, and now the teacher in me is starting to rise up. And I'm like, okay, I need to get this stuff for, for our friends, so let me just get there. And so then I, I, I get to the front, I didn't shout and scream or anything, you know, I was very polite. Uh, uh, so I didn't indulge in the flesh, but I did use the teaching opportunity. So I got to the front, I paid, and the, the, another gentleman was helping me, he's very polite. And I said, hey, excuse me, you know, uh, uh, who's the manager here? And he was like, it's that lady. I was like, that lady that's dealing with that employee there. And he's like, yes. And I said, excuse me, everybody. <laughs> Can I have a moment of your time? Let me just point out something to you. This employee is wasting time and has caused a whole line here because he wants a chocolate. And he's supposed to be working. <laughs> I was like, the manager is dealing with him when there's a queue. I was like, this should not be. And everyone is just like... <laughs> and I was just like, have a great day. And I walked out. So... I and then I got outside and I was like, what on earth did I just do? Where's my mask? You know? <laughs> I wish I had one. Anyway, point being is that you know, I, 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 I felt like doing that. I could have done worse, but praise God I did it very politely and made people's days. Uh, 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 but the point is, is that we don't follow our feelings. Amen? Amen. We follow truth. We follow the word. Uh, even when we don't feel like it. I remember one of our leaders a few years back uh, uh, saying how he was really challenged on this idea of following truth, not feelings. And he realized, you know, the Bible says that all sin is emotional. Not all emotions are sin, but all sin is emotional. The reason why we get into sin is because it's emotional response to whatever, temptation. And so he was like, you know, it's even an emotional response in the morning to hit the snooze button. And he himself, not me, but he himself was challenged with that and was like, I need to grow out of this. I want to be more in tune with doing what's right, not just with what I feel. Someone's challenged here this evening. <laughs> anyway, the point is, is that we follow truth, not, not feeling. So Ephesians chapter 5, that's where we are at the moment. Ephesians chapter 5. After 5 comes 6 and then we're done with Ephesians. It's only 19 weeks later. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. Okay, it says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. So, I want to focus in on children. Okay? Now, if I go through all of the, 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 the words in Ephesians, I can pull out a lot of different things, but it continuously speaks to us being children of God. Okay, so we are children of God. Amen? Some of us. But 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, 1 John 5, verse 1 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. Okay, so everyone who believes is a child of God. What do you need to do to become a child of God? Believe. Okay, another translation says, Anyone who is... Uh, uh, believes that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. Okay? So what does it mean to be born of a dog? 
you're a dog, you're an animal, okay? If you're born of, now I know this isn't the correct word, born, but if you're born of an apple tree, you're an apple and you've got seeds in you to produce more apple trees, okay? Work with me, I'm not a, a biologist. Uh, but, you know, if you're born of a, a chicken, you're a? No, an egg. <laughs> so what I'm trying to show you is that plant, whatever, like the life of something begets the life of it, okay? So if you come from a plant, you're a plant. If you come from an animal, you're an animal, okay? Now, I'm not saying that you're God or you're a God, but what I am saying is that you've got God's DNA in you because you're born of God. Okay, so that's why we can live the Christian life because we've got His DNA in us. We're born of God. So when Paul's writing about don't lie, don't sleep around, don't do this, don't do that, he's saying this is who you are. That's why you can do it. The Bible, yeah, God would never have organized for this information to be in the Bible, these instructions, if it was impossible for us to do it. He's just pointing out your, your ability because of your nobility. <laughs> That's a nice one. I like it too. <laughs> so your, your, your nobility, a child of God, a son of the king, a daughter of the king, it gives you a supernatural ability. Because you're born of God, you can live like God. Not just in healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers and casting out demons. Okay, but also in uh, uh, living a life of love. Okay, also in uh, 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 acting like God in terms of self-control. You know, not just indulging in your, your emotions or your flesh. John chapter 1. Look at John chapter 1 with me. So, John chapter 1 verse 12 and 13. It says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, this is the New Living Translation, he gave the right to become children of God. So once again, children of God are the result of believing, accepting, receiving, okay? Not actions. Look at verse 13. They are reborn, not from a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And so, when, you know, when we're born of God, it's not something that we did to become a child of God except believe. Okay? So what causes you to become a child of God and be a child of God? Believe. Faith. It's not action. So you can't always, you should be able to identify a Christian by the way that they live. But we, we've all seen this with other people who didn't come tonight, that sometimes you can't, you can't identify. Sometimes it's like, wow, you're a Christian? <laughs> you know, and, and it's just like you're shocked and horrified and it's mortified and you know, all the fights because it's like, this person says they're a Christian, but they don't act like it. We all know people like that. You know, but, but, but the reason why they live like that is because they're focused. They don't know who they truly are. A lot of the time, they're trying to do to become. And as soon as you try to do to become, that's when you get in trouble. You don't do to become. You've believed to become. And now when you believe who you've become, you can start to do who you've become. Amen? <laughs> Cool. That was a lot of words. <laughs> so, he gave us the right to become children of God. So, it's, you know, it's great to be a child of God. And, I mean, there's songs about it. There's worship songs. You're a child of God. And a lot of people like to focus on it. We should. But it's got to lead to something. Okay? I've got two children. And it's got to lead to something. <laughs> William is eight. And Elliot is six. It leads to something. Okay? I don't want them to be little children in the house in 20 years' time. In, in 10 years' time, they should be approaching exit. Not because I want them to leave, but because it's the natural progression. You know, you want them to become... Uh, uh, anyone wants their child to become self-sustainable, someone who's looking after themselves, someone who can add value to community. What do we call that? Maturity. And we've spoken about this from even Ephesians chapter 4. That God's desire and His plan and His purpose for us is that we would grow up. Not that we would remain as children. 
but that we would grow up. Okay, so maturity is what we're called to. You know, a lot of people are wanting to know what they're called to. God, show me, what am I called to? What, what should I do? What vocation? Much more important than what are you called to is uh, uh, the fact that you're called to be like Jesus and grow up in Christ. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 echoes this. Ephesians 4 14. And it says that we henceforth be no more children. So God's plan for you is that you wouldn't be a child for long. <laughs> okay, that you wouldn't be a child for long. It says a child is tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. A child is easily deceived. A child is easily misled. A child is just flopping all over the place. This is also describing someone that is led by their emotions. A child is emotional. Someone who's mature is not led by their emotions. So, maturity isn't gray hair. Okay? So, God's will and desire for us is that we would grow up. That we would mature. Romans chapter 8 Verse 19, we'll get into another passage in Romans chapter 8 in a moment. So if you want to turn there, it's a good idea. But 8.19 says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. So creation is waiting for us to manifest as sons of God. Manifest, to be made apparent, to start acting like children of God. What does a child of God act like? Jesus. Like God. A child of God lives like God. A child of God is somebody that you can, you know, uh, uh, where people would look at you and go, hey, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Meaning that you're like God. That, that, that's God's desire and is His expectation for us. Not, not uh, putting a pressure and a heavy on you, but He wants the, 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 the you know, fruits of the Spirit. He is a natural byproduct of the Spirit. We spoke about this recently, you know, an apple tree doesn't go apples and, and like force apples out and, and push and travail and like, like it, it's not effort for an ap- apple tree. Given the right conditions, an apple tree produces apples. Given the right conditions, the Christian produces Christ-like fruitfulness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control and power. Uh, what are the right conditions for that? Knowledge is one of them. Okay? Knowledge of who we are in Christ. Knowledge of our ability in Christ. Looking in the mirror of the Word to see who we are so we can grow up into it. Okay? So, so we've got to know who we are. We've got to know what we can do. And then we actually need to step out into it. Okay? Romans chapter 8 verse 14 to 16. Romans chapter 8, 14 to 16. I'm reading from the New Living here. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Now that's not saying in order to be a child of God, you've got to be led by the Spirit of God. But it's saying that all children are led by the Spirit of God. So again, how are you a child of God? By believing. Okay, And now, as a child of God, you get to be led by the Spirit of God. What this means is it's not just, hey, go in that direction and then turn right and then take that job. It's not talking about that. (laughs) It's not talking about being led in everything like that. What it's talking about is even being led by the Spirit of God in a sense of your emotions. Being led by love. Being led by patience. Not being led by being pastor or whatever. Okay, so verse 15, you do not, so you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. So the child of God shouldn't be fearful. The child of God shouldn't feel like a slave. We should not be, have a slave mentality. We should have a sonship mentality. You shouldn't be thinking that God's expecting you to work for him. Now you can work for God. But it's the family business. Okay? But God's not expecting you to. You know, the, the prodigal, when he got home and he enjoyed the party and all of that, we, we, must, we must get into that maybe another time. But the, the prodigal didn't, didn't ever, like, there's no record of the father waking him up the next morning. 
after the party and saying, time to work. Get back into the field. This is your inheritance. You have to work. He was, like, there's no record of any of that. I mean, you know, if I'm taking creative license, I'm sure he let his son sleep in the next morning. I'm sure he, he was like happy just to have the son home. And I mean, if I think about God's nature and God's character, and I reflect that onto that father, and I imagine what the father would have done, I imagine the father would have just loved on his son, so that his son got to the place of, I'm ready to, to kind of be part of the family business again. He wasn't pushed into it, I'm sure. Okay? But he was loved into it. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So, what this is saying is that the Spirit of God in us has made us one with Him. Obviously, we've spoken about all of that. But it's also that, that the Spirit confirms and testifies within you that you are His child. And this is how we have this intimate relationship with Him, is by the Spirit in us. So intimacy doesn't happen through your sacrifice. Sacrifice happens because of your intimacy. Okay? Because a lot of Christians, are, and, 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 and most religions even, it's like they're sacrificing to try and get closer to God. And I believe that sacrificing in the Christian life is really important. It's really good. It's a, it's a good thing to do. But, what's the motivation for it? Okay? We should be seeking intimacy with God, and then from that place of intimacy with Him, we are willing to sacrifice anything. You know, we were, uh, some of you may have been in this prayer meeting recently, where, where one of the leaders started praying, oh, sacrifice. <laughs> and I was praying, Lord, please let them land quickly. Because everybody else doesn't understand this. And they're like, Lord, I'll die for you. Oh, Lord, I'll... <laughs> I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, that's a great prayer, but mute. <laughs> like, pray to Jesus, not for us. You know, I, I thought it was awesome, but it was just like a bit much for maybe everybody. But the point is, is that the more intimate we get with God, the closer we get to God, the more you're willing to sacrifice. You know, so... An indication of intimacy would probably be your willingness to, to live as a living sacrifice for Him. Anyway, moving along. Living, so we're talking about living like a child of God. Living like a child of God. In Romans chapter 8, it's talking about manifesting as a son of God. Living like a child of God. Go straight up to the first verse. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. New Living Translation says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. How do you belong to Christ Jesus? Believe. What does believing make you? A child of God that belongs to Christ Jesus. And now because you belong to Christ Jesus, because you're a child, what does it mean? There's no condemnation for you. What does that mean? It means that you're fit for use. That you are worthy <coughs> excuse me, to have relationship with God, to be in relationship with God, to be intimate with God, to receive from God, to be used by God. You're worthy. Okay? This is what it means. There's no shred of condemning evidence that can stand against you. No, that's that one of the translations puts it like this. For those in Christ, there is now no shred of condemning evidence that can stand against you. How beautiful is that? So we, we keep records of our wrongs, but God keeps no records of our wrongs. Because 1 Corinthians 13, love holds no records of wrongs. God is love. God is not holding any record of your wrongs. There's no condemnation for you. Manifesting as a child of God starts with knowing that you're not condemned. You will never mature. You will never know or live like a Christian until you're convinced that you are not condemned. But whilst you are feeling condemned, 
whilst you are feeling unfit for use, whilst you feel like God is continuously pointing out your wrongs and your faults or holding it against you or keeping a record of it somewhere, and one day when you get to heaven, it's going to be on the, 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 the data projector, you know, the big, uh, big screen TV for everyone to watch, and God's going to say, what were you doing here? If you think like that, you're not going to have the confidence to manifest like a child of God, to live like a child of God. Okay? There's no condemnation for us. And, and you need to make sure that you're assured of that in your heart. Okay? We're talking about this, okay? So you're a child of God by believing. You're a child of God by believing, not by actions. So now what I'm saying is now Paul in, in Ephesians chapter 5 starts addressing some specific things. Okay? He starts talking about some specific behaviors that are not fit for the Christian. But what he's saying is, hey Christian, you shouldn't be lying. But you're still a child of God. You're still a Christian, even though you're lying. Because in the religious legalistic mindset, we're like, oh, they're lying. They can't be a Christian. No, they're just a... I don't know what Christian. Someone is unrenewed in their mind. They're not focused in on who they are in Christ. They've got Christ in them, but they've locked Him up nicely in a little box inside of Him. So that one day they can be with Him for eternity. But that's all. You know, God wants you to experience eternity now. He wants you to experience eternal life right now. Not one day when you're dead. And then you've wasted this life. He wants you to live for eternity right now. Okay, so we're looking at maturity. Maturity, an immature Christian is still a Christian. An immature adult is still an adult. I'm still a Christian. I mean, still a, a person, still a human. But they're just not mature. Okay, you can get 30, 40, 50, 60 year old humans who are immature. Okay, you, you can get 80 year olds who are immature. But they're still people. They're still human. Even if they don't act like it. Okay, but we, God's desire for us is that we mature. And maturity looks like Jesus. We've already looked at that. Maturity looks like Jesus. Okay, we might not all manifest Jesus 100% all the time. But we should be aiming for that. We should be growing in that. We should be wanting that. Desiring that. Okay. And so let's go through Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 1. And I want to point out a couple of things that he's showing us that this is what maturity looks like. And if you see yourself in some of the things that Paul is saying you shouldn't do this, it's not to condemn you. It's to say that, hey, that's not what you should be doing. It's like, uh, um, it's like I've been doing a lot of DIY at the moment to get ready for the, school, the mission school. So if you look at my hands, they're... Not like the hand, a model, a model's hands. Not that I was aiming at that. Anyway, so <laughs> the point is, is that, that, that sometimes my aim is to get the job done. And so I don't necessarily use the correct tools for that as long as I can get the job done. Amen? <laughs> and so it's like, a, what, you know, this, this does that. I'm not even going to expose myself, but let's use a, let's use a, <laughs> Let's use a good example, like a, a one that I don't do. Okay, so now you're trying to put a screw into a wall. And it's a star, not a flat. And I have a star, but I don't have a flat. I can use a knife to do that. It, it's, 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 you know, we were trying to put the, the sliding glass door in, <laughs> into the, the, the cavity in the wall. And Sean kept, I was like, I'm sure we can go and find someone who knows what to do here. And I was like, we will get it done we will get it done and you know we got it done but the point is is like he was like surely we need this or that i was like watch it's done <laughs> you know took the whole day but we got it done the point being is that when we realize sometimes it is a case of oh flip it was this way around we, we had to undo the door three times to realize which way it had to go. The point being is that sometimes you don't realize you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. So it's important to say, hey, you know what, as Christians, we don't act like that. Not to condemn you, 
but to actually free you. But I've always lived like this. I've always thought that God was in control of everything and ruining my life, but trying to make me a better person. No, He doesn't do that. Oh, wow, that's liberating. You know, uh, you have someone who's praying, you know, God, if it's your will, please don't let me die of this COVID. Oh, we don't pray like that. Why? I've always prayed like that. Everybody in my family prays like, yes, but the Bible doesn't say that. Like, we, we, when we pray for healing, we don't go, if it be your will, Lord. We go, in the name of Jesus, be healed, because it is God's will for healing. Every time. And you're like, oh. So then we correct. So when we're confronted with, with, with truth, it should set us free. Not, if you allow it to condemn you, the truth isn't the problem, you're the problem. Amen. <laughs> so Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Okay, verse 1. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. Let me say it like this. You can imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, I'm reading the New Living, because you are His dear children. Because you're a child of God, you can live like God. Amen? Number, uh, verse 2. Live a life of love. Oh, sorry. <coughs> Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. So our lives as Christians should be marked by love. We should be filled with love. If you find that you're not living a life of love, you know what the, the, the problem is probably, is that you've said, you've, you've, um, when love rises in your heart as a believer, you're pushing it down. And as you're pushing it down, you're, 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 you're callousing your heart and you're resisting the, 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 the uh, conviction of the Spirit, the leading of the Spirit, because the Spirit is trying to lead you in love, and so you're pushing it down, which means you become desensitized to the Spirit and desensitized to love. So you need to sensitize your heart to the Spirit and sensitize your heart to love and choose to live a life of love. How do you do that? Well, one of the areas I became desensitized to was people on street corners and things like that, begging. Because it's easy, and I mean, in South Africa, you have lots of opportunities to encounter people on the streets, and you can't help everyone. And so, you know, we become desensitized to that. And one of the ways I've become sensitized to that is because my, uh, my eldest, William, is sensitive to that. And he gets emotional when he sees someone on the street corner. Daddy, don't you have some money? Now, I can choose to desensitize his heart or help him grow in love in that moment. And the truth is, is that whatever money I have got in my wallet, you know, usually I don't carry cash, but if I do have some, whatever I have, that person needs it more than I need it. And even if I'm, I, 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 sh I shouldn't maybe give to them, maybe sometimes I'll discern we shouldn't and, and explain it to him or whatever, I'd rather err on, here you go my boy, give it to them. And then when we've driven off, sometimes it's like, I hate that people have to live on the streets. And I'd rather grow that sensitivity because it's the Spirit of God in him. Okay? Uh, verse 3. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. It's amazing how greed is in the same sentence as sexual immorality. Why, as, as children of God, we shouldn't be sexual, sexually immoral or impure or have any greed. Such sins have no place among God's people. So, God would never be sexually immoral. We shouldn't be, because we're His children. Verse, uh, verse 4, obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You know, if we are busy with the right stuff, it'll give no place for the wrong stuff. So if we're very busy just giving thanks to God and focused on the right things, you won't have time for obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, sexual immorality, greed, or impurity. You know, usually when, when, when someone's struggling with something like sexual immorality, it's because they're bored with life. <laughs> they're, they're bored. They're, 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 you know, nine times out of ten, now I found that to be the case. They just have no purpose, living for nothing, and they've got too much time on their hands. 
Okay? So if we are filling ourselves with thankfulness to God, like even if you are bored, be thankful to God, spend time giving thanksgiving, and it should occupy you so that you're not occupied with the wrong stuff. But stay focused on God. You know, it, it's like I've heard said that, you know, if you're tempted with um, uh, jumping into bed with someone who's not your spouse, before you do, just ask that individual to pray with you. Get on your knees and just be like, Father, we just give thanks for this opportunity. We just, and just, just begin to give thanks. Fill yourself with thanksgiving and whatever's about to happen probably won't anymore. That's, that's a great... Uh, uh, um, <laughs> practical tip you go down there's so many things in all of this but go down straight to verse 11 King James says and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness but rather reprove them the new living says take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness instead expose them it says it is even shameful to talk about these things that are ungodly that ungodly people do in secret so what this is all saying is that we should be completely separate from the world and the things of darkness. We should be naive. I've been in many conversations where people are talking about something and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And they, then you're the, 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 the point of the joke because you don't know what they're talking about. And it's actually they're the joke then. Because I'm the one who's got an innocent mind and, and all of that. You know, and over the years of ministry, unfortunately, because obviously people share things with you, then you, you, you come to know what's going on. But the point is, is that we should be innocent. We should be naive. Okay? Especially about things of darkness. What is things of darkness? We're not talking about witchcraft. Throwing the bones and, and reading tea leaves. We're not talking about that stuff. That stuff's not mentioned here. Sexual immorality, coarse joking, obscene stories. Impurity, greed, that's what we're talking about. That's darkness. Look at verse 15 and 17. It's a, a verse 15 to 17. So be careful how you live. New Living Translation again. We, 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 we so often are just living, but we're not living on purpose. Okay. Yes, you should live for a purpose, but you should also live on purpose. What do I mean? Aim at something, not just, I want to be a doctor. Let me go for that. I want to be a lawyer. I'm going for that. I want to be a teacher. I'm going for that. I want to be successful as a businessman. I'm going for that. But be purposeful in, I want to be pure. I want to not give in to greed. I don't want to be, be an angry person. And the Spirit of God in me means I'm not angry, so I'm not going to give in to anger. I'm going to be a peaceable, full of love, overflowing with love, thankfulness kind of person. That's what I'm aiming at. Live for a purpose and on a purpose. On, and on purpose. Be careful how you live. Be careful, meaning give attention to how you live. Okay? Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Okay? Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. So what is a fool? Proverbs tells us that. The fool says in his heart that there is no God. So we don't live like the fools who think there's no God. We live like those who are wise. So that means we've got to understand something. We've got to have knowledge. A, a child is easily unwise. How many of us know that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> the hard way often. You know, I, I, I've um, uh, 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 helping my sons grow in in learning to 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 manage a penknife. So so it's like William and Elliot. I've told them they can only open the penknife if I'm around, and it's not their penknife; it's mine, and I'm lending it to you. So they're learning to look after something that's not their own first, and uh, they're learning to manage it right. But you know. Like, when I see them being careless with it, I'm like, okay, I'm taking it back for a while. And it's devastation in the household. But the point is, I'm trying to train them to be wise with it and not just foolish like a child would be. But often, we don't give responsibility, and so there's no way that someone can grow. See, when we look at the fact that we're children of God... It doesn't just mean, oh, I'm a child of God, I can go and eat from the fridge anytime I want. Hallelujah. <laughs> it means that, but it also means now there's a responsibility on you. 
And responsibility is not a cuss word, although it is in grey circles. We're in grey circles. Amen? What I'm talking about is starting to just rise up and rather take responsibility and saying, you know what, I'm a child of God and I want to bring glory to my Father. God doesn't, I want to say care, but that's a strong word. God doesn't not care. God, God doesn't mind. Let's, let's say it nice and gently. If you take responsibility and live like a child of God or not. Because you are a child of God, whether you do or not. It's for your benefit that you live like a child of God and you grow up. It's for my benefit that you grow up and live like a child of God. <laughs> it's for your, the, those people that live around you and are close and doing life with you. It's for all of our benefit that you grow up <laughs> and live like a child of God. Because living like a child of God affects all of us or it doesn't. Okay? And I'm sure there's, like, like for everybody who didn't come tonight, everybody in their life is praying that they would grow up. <laughs> that they would mature. That they would start to live like Jesus. Amen? Because our sin affects everyone. Our immaturity affects everyone. Have you ever seen it? Our, our kids haven't done this, but have you ever seen a kid flip out in a, sh in a shop? There's that awesome ad. I have to look around the room quick. There's that awesome ad, you can go and Google it probably, where this, this, this guy's busy shopping and this, this woman and her, her child are somewhere in the shop and then he's like, he wants something and she says no and she, he starts flipping out. He's like all over, ah! and it's advertising Durex. Condoms. <laughs> and it's, a, it's not necessarily a, a, a kind of ad you expect to hear about in church, but the point <laughs> remains. It's like, you know, that child is being immature. But you expect a child to act like a child, right? But then, if the parent doesn't intervene and help that child learn, the child cannot mature. Okay? And so, in the body of Christ, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, we saw it. Jesus gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry so that all the saints, if you read the further down, would mature and be no more children. And so maturity happens in local church where godly leaders, elders, with fivefold gifting then are helping the body grow by saying, hey, you shouldn't be living like that. Let's help you with that by helping you focus in on who you are in Christ. And, and because you, this is who you are in Christ, now you can live like this. Okay? But let's get back to Ephesians 5. 15 to 17. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Another proverb pops into my head. It says, like a, fool, like a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. So somebody who keeps coming back to the same problem again and again, or the same uh, a garbage in their life, whatever your garbage is, that's foolish. You know, that, that we should not be living like that. So maturity would mean that eventually we're walking away from the garbage in our lives. But it doesn't mean that you're not a child of God and that God doesn't love you unconditionally and that you're awesome in His eyes and He's not condemning you. All of that stands, but it just means you're not maturing yet. And it's time to mature. Okay? Verse 16. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. So now, the instruction, the King James says, redeeming the time because the days of e are evil. But the point is, is, as we're maturing in Christ, we get to this place where we realize that we're living for eternity and this life is short. And so, we need to make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Okay, we're living in dark days and we need to be wise in how we live and we need to make the most of every opportunity. Verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So maturity acts uh, with thought and lives purposefully, understanding what the Lord wants us to do. Okay, Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and says, that God's will is that none perish, but all come to repentance. Okay? That's not what it says there. What does it say there? It says that, <laughs> that basically we, 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 God wants all to, to, to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 
Okay, that's what it says. All peri- none perish, all come to salvation and come to a full knowledge of the truth. Okay, so God's will for us in any situation is that we would be ambassadors of Christ, that we would be able to help people come into a relationship with Him and grow in relationship with Him. So if you, you keep that the main thing, then you wouldn't be acting thoughtlessly, but you would understand what the Lord wants you to do in a situation. Okay, and because you've got the Spirit of God and you're led by the Spirit of God, you can know what God would want you to do in a situation. Okay, 15... Uh, Acts, oh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 and then 17 to 18 from the Passion says, So be very careful how you live, not being like those with no understanding, but live honorably with true wisdom, for we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for His purposes. I mean, have you ever thought of it like that, that you are spending your life right now? And all of us have chosen to spend this evening well, so well done. But the point is, is that we often don't spend our lives well. We've got to think about, like, you know, and there's nothing wrong with going, and if you like playing golf, playing golf now and then. Or if you like surfing, surfing now and then. Or if you like watching a movie, watching a movie now and then. But just keep in mind that you're spending your life when you do those things. And God loves it when we're enjoying life. But we should be living for something bigger than ourselves. Something bigger than just, you know what, I'm living to satisfy myself. We want to live for something bigger. Okay? Verse 17. And don't live foolishly, for then you will have discernment to fully understand God's will. And this is, the next part is exciting. Verse 18. And don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so don't get drunk with wine. It says that is rebellion. Okay, instead, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Aramaic, the the Passion Post says this, the Aramaic can be translated the wine of the prodigal. You know, when, 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 when Michael brought up the prodigal earlier, I got excited because of the link to what I wanted to share. Okay, so it's saying the wine of the prodigal, and what this is talking about is reckless living. So it's not, it is talking about alcohol, don't get drunk, but it's also talking about don't live recklessly. You know, it, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. Don't live recklessly, instead be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Okay, be filled, live from this place of I'm full of God and you're you're so focused and aware of your oneness with Him that you're allowing Him to overflow in all of your life. Okay, we'll probably talk more about that next week. But living a life overflowing with the fullness of the Holy Spirit, what does that look like? I can tell you now, to the world, it probably looks different. (laughs) But it's not weird in a sense of you know, the, 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 bless her heart, she's, uh, this lady must be awesome. And she loves Jesus passionately. But when we were living in, in um, <clears throat> Dorp Street in, in um, Stellenbosch, every morning at 6.30 or something like that, there's this lady who walks to work up, up the street with her tambourine and she's praising the Lord and she's praying over the, the, everybody. And I mean, bless her heart, she's, she's passionate, she's genuine and everything. But living in the fullness, overflowing with the Holy Spirit, doesn't necessarily look like that. So don't go and buy a tambourine, (laughs) and don't worry about having to do that or not. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is living like Jesus. Because you can't live like Jesus if you're not overflowing in the Holy Spirit. There's no record of Jesus having a tambourine. Hallelujah. I saw, I was reading a book once, and one of the chapters was, it was a pastor writing about his church planting experience, and one of the chapters was, Lord, please rapture the lady with the tambourine. (laughs) And he speaks about his uh, situations in church like that. But the point is, is like, you know, we often think that the most spiritual person in the room is the one who's shouting the loudest. And that's not the case. The most spiritual person in the room is the one who's loving the most. Love is the discern, the, 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 the defining factor of maturity. How much is somebody loving? Because God's kind of love would be self-sacrificial. So if we are 
like, love like God loves. If we're loving like God loves, it means we're laying down our lives for Him and for each other. Amen? So Father, I thank You that even though these are maybe heavy things, that there's a supernatural, overwhelming empowerment to live like Jesus. To live a life of purity. To live a life of love. To live a life of not being greedy. To live a life of not being foolish. To live a life of wisdom. To live a life which brings glory and honor to you, Father. I just want to encourage you now. God is not waiting for you to commit yourself to being mature. God is not wanting you to stand up right now and commit yourself and be like, I'm going to be mature. I'm going to live for Jesus. That's not what we're going to do. We're not going to give, give an altar call like that. What God wants you to do is focus in on His love. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 in the message says to just focus in on what God does and mostly what He does is love you. Father, I pray that we would just be so captivated by your love that it would impact us to maturity. It would drive us to maturity. It would transform us to maturity. Someone's, I believe you're thinking, you know, this, this is too simple. I've got to live by faith. I can't just live focused on love. Galatians, I think it's 5.6 or 6.5 says... Faith works by love. And love there in the Greek is agape, which is God's kind of love. So faith doesn't work by your love for God. Faith works by God's love for you. So focus in on God's love for you and faith will rise up and you will start to live like Jesus. Father, I thank you that this week we would just be so captivated by your love and by your goodness. We would be overwhelmed that it would transform us and we would start to mature more and and start to live more for you and live more like you. And I thank you that there's such great satisfaction in that, Father. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.